This episode of Cutting the Curd is brought to you by Conte Cheese Association. Conte, an iconic cheese from the Jura Mountains of France, favored by cheesemongers and cheese lovers all over the world. Find out more at conte-usa.com. That's C-O-M-T-E-USA.com. everyone and welcome to Cutting the Curd on the Heritage Radio Network. I'm your host Kara Warren and today we're going to take a look at a classic Swiss cheese, uh, one that's on many cheese counters and many cheesemongers I believe know it and love it. Um, today we're going to look at the Swiss cheese Tête de Moine. It was anointed AOP designation status in 2001, so 20 years ago actually, a pretty long time ago, and it's considered to be a pillar of the Swiss cheese world. Um, on today to discuss the history of Tête de Moine, I have Martin Sigenthaler. Uh, he is the gérant or manager of the Tête de Moine DOP Association. He's also a Swiss cheesemaker, food engineer, and has a master's in business administration, so he's well-rounded, which I love. Uh, and then we also have Randall Feltz, um, an ACS CCP cheesemonger and owner of Beautiful Rhine, located in Chicago. Uh, Martin Randall, welcome to the show. Hello. Hello, thanks for having us. Absolutely. Um, I, you know, I should have taken a deeper breath before I started all of that because you guys are awesome. <laughs> you have a lot of cheese experience. Um, we're here on the show today to discuss Tête de Moine, which again is a classic Swiss cheese. I'd like to start with Martin. Um, what is your first experience with Tête de Moine? Um, and curious, did you have it as a child? Oh, my first uh, experience with Tête de Moine was a few years ago, so I'm over 20 years in the, the beast cheese business. So I know that that more sounds very long and I appreciate it every time I can use it. And since the uh, last four months that I'm now the, the chair or the head of the Tetum, I'm, I'm appreciated like every day because it's really a speciality and a unique speciality which we have here in Swiss. Yeah. So, okay. So you, you got into it a few years ago. Um, Randall, I'm curious as a cheesemonger's perspective, what was your first experience with Tête de Moine? <laughs> you know, it's funny. It's, it's a, it's a memorable cheese. So, uh, my first experience was actually kind of when I was, before I was even a cheesemonger, I was a, uh, a line cook and, and pastry chef and, and, uh, got married and we went on our honeymoon to uh, Northern California and we were having dinner at a really great restaurant that since closed called Cyrus that had this old school cheese cart service. Um, and they kind of wheeled it up to the table. And just by sheer coincidence, the server happened to know the restaurant I worked in in Birmingham. He'd worked there before. So he really did it up with this cheese cart. And he came out and he was like, oh, we have this really cool cheese here with this tool i'll have to show it to you uh and so he goes in the back and brings out a new will of tete de moine and the girole and everything and i i remember that even pre-getting into being a cheesemonger it was at that time where i was like do i want to be a cook or do i want to be a cheesemonger and uh you know between that and red hawk uh on the beach that kind of sold it for being a cheesemonger. Oh, wow. So, okay. And well, we'll get to Girol and Rosette's later in the episode, but I'm excited that, so yours was a restaurant experience, actually. That's very, very cool. Um, I think then since we're looking at history, I'd like to go back to Martin and, and Martin, if you could give us a brief history of Tête de Moine, because I know it's a very old cheese. So uh, what's the best way we can talk about the history of Tête de Moine? 
No, the history of Tatum is very old. We the, the longest, uh, the first history we've seen, it's about 800 years ago. It's in the Abbey in Belele. That's a very uh, small village in Switzerland, which they invited uh, the Tatum. And there was really the, the milk producer produce also cheese and they give it to the monks. And finally the monks um, eat it, uh, especially for Christmas. And one special episode is really that one monk was very hungry during the night. And then to, to that show uh, that he was eating the cheese, he cut the, the tetumo in the middle and started to cut a little bit with his knife in the middle. So that was the start of the history of tetumo. And since then, it was really a, an evolution. And with the invitation of the Rochirol uh, 40 years ago, that was really the, the, the start, the kickoff, when also the export getting more involved. So that really 40 years ago, since it's getting bigger and bigger, the, the history of the Tatuma now, uh, we are even in, in the US market. So it's very interesting also to discover and to, to be presented here to show uh, also for the cheesemongers, the, the nice products we, we produce here in Switzerland. Yeah, I'm, and I'm curious the name Tete which uh, translates to monk's head. How did that happen? Yeah, that's uh, <laughs> the, the, the monks often have the shape of, of hair, so that's that's the name where it comes. Uh, they, they cut the special cut, but in the middle there's no hair. So that was the the approach to the, the monk's head and uh, the name is um, it's not been changed uh, the last 800 years and still on our labels and packagings are normally three monks uh, and in the middle is the Tetema so that's uh, the part of the history and it's really uh, an old and long history and very long and traditionally yeah yeah, I, I mean, so Randall, when you're in the cheese shop and you're selling Tete Des Moines, <laughs> what are you thinking as you explain this cheese? Because you you tell everyone, do you mention the Monk's Head title at all? Or um... oh, ab- absolutely, um, yeah. So so when I'm selling this cheese, uh, we pr- we sell a lot of cheese boards. Uh, we're kind of half restaurant, half cheese shop, um, and so we're always putting it on the boards for the visual impact and kind of the fun. People will usually ask, is that cheese? What, it, what is this? And so it's fun to get to tell a story and to dip into the, the rich history of cheese using kind of a good visual impact. Right. Right. And so actually Martin, now I want to go back to uh, with the AOP and the PDO standards. Um, is that helpful for Tetamoine to have those distinctions? Yeah, that's very important for us. It's a very strong protection in, in Europe to defend it. And if you have success, you know it, you, you've been copied along. And now we have also cases in, uh, in, uh, in Spain and in France. They, they try, but we are, have a very strong protection here in Europe. And it's not only the, the DOP is protected, it's also the shape of the rosettes. The three-dimensional time, three protected. So for us, it's a very strong, and it helps that it's really. Sometimes it's also difficult because the restriction to produce milk and to do cheese is, is very uh, definite. Not so not so uh, easy to do that, but it helps us very much, and it's also helped us to to keep the story high and the quality to to check that. Yeah, and you mentioned the shape. Um, 
how or why is it that shape? Because it's a very uncommon, to me, it's a very uncommon cheese shape. And the fact that it's a semi-firm cow's milk cheese, um, it just seems like kind of odd, but also useful. I mean, tell me, why is it the shape that it is? Uh, I was not there when the cheese was invited. Right, uh, right. Very long time ago, it was the, the, the shape was a little bit big. It's closer to, to two kilos. And now the, the cheeses are a little bit smaller, so one kilo. And I think it's also with the shape of the rosette, so it's easier if you have smaller, smaller wheels like to have. And the shape is really getting before 40 years ago, you start to cut the shapes with a knife. And then 40 years ago, the Chirol uh, was invited. And I think 10 years ago, the Rosomats was invited. So it's getting easier and easier. Uh, but 40 years ago, it was very difficult to, to make a hole in the cheese and to uh, to start turning the cheese, but for the production, for the increase and, and for the quality, for the taste of the rose, that you can make really fine flowers so that the smell is it's very thin. And as thinner you get, you, you the more taste you get also on your, your tongue. Yeah. And th- that's for the rosettes, which I, I wanted to go into because um, Randall has even had has been able to use a rosa mat, which uh, to the listeners, just so they know, uh, the Tete Moines wheel is about 1.87 pounds. I looked it up because it's, it's kind of a smaller drum wheel. And then the rosa mat is uh, an electrical automatic device that you put the wheel on and then it shaves these, uh, the cheese into these florets. And I'm curious, I mean, Randall, you've been, did you just start using this? I mean, or has this been with the shop since you opened Beautiful Rind? Uh, no, it hasn't been with the shop since we opened. Um, Martin, uh, uh, as many people in the cheese world do, ha- have some common friends. And uh, someone from Chicago had, had popped in and uh, noticed uh, that we had the, the cheese and we're doing it by hand, kind of the old-fashioned way, and mentioned the Rosa mat. And uh, I could see our, our, our cheesemonger, who it was at that time, doing a will or two a day by hands, eyes light up. And I thought that would be a great little bit of theater to have on our cheese case. So we got to talking about it and we've been doing, uh, we've had the rose mat for, gosh, I think probably about uh, eight or nine months now. Okay. At least. And it's, so. it's a game changer for you. Yeah. Yeah. It's, it's been great. I mean, the, the cheese has always been a lot of, fun for us and we've had the cheese since day one but we were using sort of the metal plastic uh before it but having the the rose mats made our our cheesemongers lives a lot easier and also been kind of a good uh good discussion piece we kind of refer to it as our fajitas-esque dish and that it gets everyone's <laughs> attention when someone orders it right it's like the flambéed like item uh-huh. in the restaurant you you have this beautiful cheese coming out of this not a girol which is the manual version of a rosamat yeah the rosamat is like I, I i like to compare it to the ferrari of cheese devices at this <laughs> point because it is so freaking cool um and that's just me being a super curd nerd but um uh, martin i'd like to jump back now to um the terroir and i was reading about tete moines terroir and it's the area is titled the Inter Jurassic. Is that how you would say it? And c- could you give us more details about what the terroir is like? Yes, it's a very strict area. It's the Jura 
and a small part of the Canton Bern. It's also the Jura Bernois called, and it's a very small area, and each uh, village is defined. And we have only 240 milk producers, quite small uh, milk producer, traditional milk producer, which uh, has to be accredited to, to produce. And it's really raw milk, no silo. They, they feed grass in the summer and hay in the winter time. So it's very traditional. It's also mountain cheese. So it's in the sea, it's about 800 meters over sea level. So it's quite a high mountain. We're expecting next few days snow here. So it's really a, a rare and a, um, a small, small area which the, the cheese can pr produce and also protect it. Yeah. Wow. And and then the cow that is most commonly used for, or the, the local indigenous breed, um, can you tell us which cows are preferred to make Tete Des Moines? Uh, that's quite open. They're very passionate. It was a Sunday just at the fair uh, for, for, for prizes for the, the cows, for the best cow. And it's a, they have a lot of Holstein and Red Holstein, but also Jersey. So the, the different cows are, are open. It's more about the milk quality, which we are very strict because it's raw milk cheese. And so it's very important that the base, the, the milk quality is very good so that you can produce a very high quality cheese at the end as well. So, and just to be clear, all Tete Moines is raw milk in the United States? Yes, all Tete Moines raw milk. Yeah. Wow. It's all the same. It's DOP products. All you can find is, is raw milk cheese. Yeah. Very cool. Um, and then I guess one more production question for you, because I just I love to hear it's just having the classic traditional European cheeses and learning about how they're made, I think, gives so much insight to how other cheeses are made, because it's kind of like the grandfather of, of many more cheeses. Um, this is a washed rind cheese. Uh, am I correct? Or it's brined? Can you give us a little more info about how that is how that's done as well, the production process? Yeah, it's a smear-ripened cheese. It's also semi-hard cheese, if you want, uh, a small cheese. And this is quite high fat content so that the, the texture and to, to make and to shave the, the rosettes. Uh, and then it's a smear-rind smear uh, ripening. Uh, and it's during 70, 75 days at least. The cheese has to be ripened in caves on wood. So that's really, and then we have the first quality check and normally between 90 and 110 days, the cheese are leaving the caves and then they're going uh, completely as wheels to the customers or they have been shaved as rosettes and packed to, to, to the customers. It's depending how, how they, what they want. Yeah. And then we have different ages. We have uh, the classic one and then we have for, for more specialists, we have a, uh, uh, and other other older ages, but the classic is the the main cheese. That the mild one is the the, the most the famous cheese of that we we sold. Yeah. And and you said how long is that age for? Uh, you said ninety to one hundred days, but it's it's longer than that. The right, it's more mm -hmm. like six months or a year. Yeah, the oldest is six months. We have a reserve which is about four months, and the oldest is six months. So that's the black label, if you want. Uh, so that's the oldest, but it's uh, they're very small quantities, but it's uh, really, you're getting more taste and more flavor and the structure of the rosettes are a little bit crunchy, but it's it's very still, you get you get more taste on it, yeah. Excellent. Okay, guys. Well, I want to take a quick break. Uh, listeners, you're listening to Cutting the Curd on the Heritage Radio Network, and we'll be right back. 
This episode of Cutting the Curd is brought to you by Conte Cheese Association. Conte Cheese Association represents the Conte PDO, Conte Protected Designation of Origin in the USA. Conte is a raw milk cooked pressed cheese from the Jura Mountains of France. There, every day, 2,500 family farms deliver milk to over 150 local cheesemaking facilities, or fruitiers. This milk must be transformed into Conté within 24 hours of milking to preserve the lactic microflora in the milk, ensuring the cheese's aromatic potential. About 105 gallons of milk are required to craft a single wheel of Conté. Conté takes time to acquire its flavors in the affinage cellars. After eight months of aging by dedicated affineurs on average, each wheel of Conté is graded and shipped to market. No wheel of Conté is the same. Its flavors speak to the pastures where the cows grazed, the season in which it was made, the particular craftsmanship of the cheesemaker, and the time spent in the aging cellar. Therefore, every wheel of Conté is unique. Learn more about Conté, an iconic cheese from the Jura Mountains of France, favored by cheesemongers and cheese lovers all over the world. Find out more at Conté-USA.com. That's C-O-M-T-E hyphen U-S-A dot com. All right. Welcome back, everyone, to Cutting the Curd. I'm your host, Kara Warren, and today I have on the show Randall and Martin. Uh, we are talking about Tête Des Moines and Beautiful Rhine, the cheese shop in Chicago. Um, and I'd like to kind of switch over to Randall and hear about his lovely pairing because I, I read through it and you are a master at pair at doing pairings. I like what I saw. Can you tell the listeners about your pairing? Oh, sure, sure. Uh, so in our in our shop with each cheese uh, that we have on our menu, we do a different kind of pairing uh, in-house. And, and right now with the Tetamoyne, we do uh, brandy flambe dates, uh, which are, are a lot of fun. We, we played with a few different pairings, and we always like to do something – kind of skates the savory sweet aspect uh with tete de moy so we wanted going into the winter to to get something a little more hearty and substantial that's cool so are you are you flambeing in front of people I, this is funny that flambeing has come up <laughs> twice in this episode <laughs> yeah no no we, we're not flambeing in front of people uh chicago has a uh troubled history with fire so uh. their regulations <laughs> are uh somewhat strict when it comes to open flames uh we we flambe them uh in the back and, and we take them out um have little ramekins that we serve them with or or even when people get delivery or to go we will have them in little little plastic containers, but uh, we we have posted the flambe process on Instagram a, a couple times to good reaction. Got you. That that's pretty funny, Randall. I like that, um, Martin. I'm curious, what are some traditional um, uh, specialties that the Tête de Moine can be paired to? Yeah, we have also Tête de Fondue if you like it. I mean, you have your own wellness as a rockle and fondue, and we have also a fondue you can eat, you can share. Uh, at the moment, we are not on the, the U.S. market, but it's very typical as well. It's getting cold, it's getting snowy, and then you, you sit together, you drink a, a glass of wine, and then to eat some some cheese, so that's, a, that's also kind. And the other thing is to, at the end of a meal, you, you taste some rosettes. It's also very nice at the beginning as an apero, or at the end of a, 
of a dish to 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 just have one flour to to close to close the meal. Excellent. And actually, this reminded me, uh, Martin, when you cut a wheel of Tête des Moines, how do you prefer to cut it? Do you, do you cut it across horizontally or do you go vertically? Um, because for this size of wheel, I, I know people may have different advantages to how they cut it. And I'm curious what you feel is best. Yeah, we've heard, yeah, I mean, I've seen pictures now to cut it in the middle. Uh, it's difficult to explain maybe down the middle so that you have two parts and, and then you have one side you can shave down. So it's uh, important and we've also instruction or you can also ask your cheesemonger how to, to shave and to cut the piece. So it's in, in, in the middle, not as a the piece of cheese that's a little bit specific because uh, it's, it's, it's really a unique cheese and you have to cut it in the middle so that the surface is, is very big. And that's that's also the picture in the middle. It's it's white and outside it's dark. So that's mine of the tattoo of the monk's head. So that's that's a, that's a little bit the picture of the head of the monks. Looks like the cheese if you cut if you open the cheese in the middle. Oh, that's very cool, Randall. Did you know that? Did have you? Did you know? Have you? How have you been cutting the cheese? I'm curious. <laughs> yeah. So. Um, we originally, before pre-Rosamat, we would just sort of very lightly cut off the uh, the very top layer, right, um, and then go down uh, that way. Uh, one of the advantages to the Rosamat is that it'll actually just shave off the top layer uh, on its own. So we pretty much just put the whole wheel uh, on on the machine and shave off the top layer and then we're we're good to go oh wow okay that's good to i mean this is this is cool this is very cool um randall i wanted to ask you about your educational work at beautiful rhine how are the classes going you're doing virtual and in person now or is it just uh virtual yeah no uh we're doing uh sort of a hybrid model we like to call it uh before a live studio audience um so, so we opened uh, a month into, into the pandemic. We cleared our inspections the day before uh, Chicago Shelter-in-Place order went out. Um, so we had this beautiful classroom space that we used as a, as a recording studio for well over a year. Um, so people had really kind of gotten used to doing our, our classes online and really enjoyed that. And Cheese is all about hospitality, so we wanted to keep that experience, but we also had a lot of people that wanted to come in and dine. So uh, fortunately, my my lead cheesemonger, uh, Will Collinborn, uh, was a uh, film student and was able to help set us up uh, so that we could have a great online experience happening at the same time we're having a, a great in-person experience going on. Oh wow, that's that's very cool. Um, and what are you hoping to see this holiday season? Are you are you excited? This is I know we're turning a corner, hopefully, on everything. So, uh, what are your expectations for this this season? <laughs> yeah, uh, well, my expectations are we're feeling good about it. Um, you know, we're we're hoping we see we see more kind of small get-togethers uh, earlier on in December. We had a phenomenal Thanksgiving, Christmas all of those holidays. But, you know, in previous years, I could remember December being a really fun month, the whole month, not just the, the sort of uh, last 10 days or so. So I think we're going to look 
look forward to uh, hosting a lot of little private events, little parties, things like that. Our our dance card is quickly filling up already. Oh, I'm I'm sure. I'm sure. And Martin, are you feeling good about the holiday season? Have uh, logistics been uh, figured out on the Swiss side? I, I hope everything is going well for you guys. We hope so. Yeah, we're doing our best. Uh, we, we're getting a new record this year. I think we probably will produce the first time over 3,000 tons of that tomorrow. But, but we, are, we are ready. We have increased the stock for Christmas, and Christmas is very important. Uh, the season, Christmas and Easter, are the most uh, famous season for that tomorrow. And, and we hope to be ready, and we hope to have uh, shipped enough that tomorrow to, to the US market. So that you can also enjoy the the rosettes and the flowers and, and, and to to to, to uh, be a part of your Christmas party as well. Yeah, I I agree. This is I well, we hope all the European cheeses and Swiss cheeses can get over uh, with the way things are going right now. But I have oh. I have a good feeling uh, everyone's going to do the best they can in the situation that we're living in. Um, I wanted to thank you both for coming on the show today. This was really insightful and, and awesome to to learn about. Yeah. No, th- thank you, Karen. And, and, and thanks to Martin and especially a big thanks to his uh, dairy people and cheesemakers. They're they're doing the hard work. I, I always tell I like to tell cheesemakers, you guys make my job a, a lot easier. All I have to do is get people to eat cheese. And when it's a, a beautiful and delicious cheese, uh, makes my job e- even easier. So thanks. Thanks to all of them. And thanks for Kara uh, and Heritage Radio for hosting me. Oh yeah, no, you're thank, you're very thank welcome. Thank you very much too from Switzerland. It's very important. We do our best all the days in the dairies and the milk producers, but without you as cheesemongers, but uh, you as uh, the journalists as well to to inform and to represent our products. So it's very important uh, for us. Thank you very much. A great work you do for us. Uh, thank, thank you. Thank you guys for the kind words. Um, I also want to give a special shout out to Amy Thompson for helping me coordinate this episode. She's uh, one of the pioneers in our industry and, and she's just a, a great networker of great people. So um, I want to give a thank you to her for that. And I would also just like to give a shout out to the Rosamat because you guys have heard us talk mm-hmm. about this on the episode. If you're interested in getting a Rosamat, um, Amy shared with me a link, and we will post it on our uh, episode description, to go to shopjuicernet.com, and I believe you can get a Rosamat there. Um, I also want to give a shout-out to some of these Instagram handles so you can learn more about all the cool things we talked about today. Uh, please follow uh, Randall and his shop at Beautiful Rhine. If you're looking to learn more about Tet Des Moines, you can go to Tet Des Moines AOP, which is Tet underscore duh and then underscore Moines. Just uh, <laughs> another underscore AOP. I think you'll find it, though. Uh, no, I'm not sure too many handles are Tet Des Moines AOP, so that's a winner. Um, and then you cool. can also follow us at uh, Cutting the Curd or myself at Kara Warren. And please listen, subscribe to Cutting the Curd via Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Stitcher, wherever you listen to your podcasts. Thanks and eat more cheese. Cutting the Curd is powered by Simplecast. Thanks for listening to Heritage Radio Network, food radio supported by you. For our freshest content, subscribe to our newsletter. Enter your email at the bottom of our website, heritageradionetwork.org. Connect with us on Instagram and Twitter at heritage underscore radio. You can also find us at facebook.com slash heritage radio network. 
Heritage Radio Network is a nonprofit organization driving conversations to make the world a better, fairer, more delicious place. And we couldn't do it without support from listeners like you. Want to be a part of the food world's most innovative community? Subscribe to the shows you like, tell your friends, and please join the HRN family by becoming a member. Just click on the beating heart at the top right of our homepage. Thanks for listening.